right, welcome to episode 18 of the Take One Security Podcast. Going to do something a little different this time. Going to actually talk about Mr. Robot, the TV show. It's actually on USA Network. And a lot of people have been reaching out to me, asking me to sort of talk about it or do reviews or do analysis. And I've kind of resisted it uh, up to this point. But um, I... After watching the third one, I kind of felt strongly enough about it. I had enough thoughts while watching it about the characters and the marketing and sort of the tech behind it and everything that um, I thought it would be cool to maybe just do a post about it and talk about it. And I uh, decided to just put it in audio form as well and just integrate it with the uh, Take One Security podcast feed. So uh, this will not be a news feed where I'm talking about, you know, various stories, but just focusing on the Mr. Robot stuff. So this first installment, I'm actually just going to do Mr. Robot in general, and then talk about episode three, which was, if you're listening to this anytime close to recording time, it's actually one week behind. So yesterday is Saturday and uh, episode four came out then. So This one is specifically around episode three and the backstory for it. So first of all, Mr. Robot in general. So the main uh, character, he's really interesting. He's what the uh, writer basically wants to capture as a true hacker, right? Um, I really find it interesting how much the writer wants to talk about how messed up the character is. That seems to be a big deal for sort of capturing the whole hacker mentality, which I find either interesting or disturbing, or I guess, I don't know. It's fascinating though, because the guy is really messed up. So he's got a massive narcotics problem, uh, severe depression has like this, you know, angst against the world, hates his job, um, can't have any real relationships, but he's also pitched as like this super brilliant hacker. And I'm like, what What are we telling people about hacking if, if we're pitching this person as the perfect example, right? You look on Twitter and you see all these people talking about, you know, they have drug problems, um, and these are real infosec people, drug problems, you know, self-loathing problems, depression issues, other sort of mental illnesses. And they're talking about it pretty often, but they're also, you know, major infosec people. And then you've got this person here, this uh, character on Mr. Robot, and it's a far more extreme example, right? Extreme depression. He's curled up in a ball crying. Uh, doing narcotics, taking morphine, um, all, all sorts of stuff. Doesn't have any real relationships, doesn't have a girlfriend, stuff like that. Um, and it's like, so is the writer saying basically that this is what a hacker is? Or this is what a hacker should be? Or if you're not messed up in this way, you're really not going to get the creativity benefit. You're really not going to be able to hack the way someone like this does. And there's also another precedent for this, which is musicians. There's a famous stereotype that 
when musicians are in their 20s and they're all, you know, coked out, doing tours, um, being promiscuous, trying all sorts of drugs, they're putting out their best music. And the other stereotype is when they get into their 30s and 40s, they clean up and they put out albums, but they're still not, they're, they don't ever reach what they previously were, right? So the question becomes, oh, and it's the same with writing as well, right? You have Hemingway, you know, dies by suicide, writes this great stuff, but he's tortured the whole time. You have the same thing with, you know, painters and stuff like that, where you get the whole absinthe culture. It's like the, the suffering is inexorably tied, or so it seems, to producing quality work. And it seems like this writer is going for that exact same thing with hacking and with the main character. So the question becomes, can you be a truly creative hacker? You know, a, a really high quality infosec person, whatever, without having this sort of damage. And I think, I'm not sure if he's making any sort of major claims there, but he's definitely saying they do go hand in hand, which is interesting in and of itself. So the other thing I find interesting about the character is be, because he's got a lot of dark sides, right? He doesn't really like people. People don't really like him. So it's, the question becomes, how is the writer going to make people like him? Uh, one way I'm liking the character is because he is compassionate. He's actually looks for compassion in other people. And then if he sees that compassion, he'll like try and save them which is really cool. So his psychologist or psychiatrist, actually, um, the woman who he goes and does sessions with, like he's simultaneously like pushing back at her, which could be, you know, a problem of the drugs or could be his youth, whatever it is. But he's like pushing back at her, telling her to stay away. But at the same time, he is telling her a few things. But what he's done beforehand is he's actually gone and hacked her. That was like the first thing he did was find out all about her life. Turns out, I think she had like a divorce or something. And then she was messing around with one guy. Go and ha goes and hacks him, finds out he's just using her. <clears throat> and um, finds out he's sleeping with all these other women. Basically, fucks his shit up really bad. Like blackmails him, tells him to get away from her or else... So he takes him out of her life. So <clears throat> he's there on the couch talking to her, presumably so that she can help him. But in fact, she, the only reason he's there is because he stays engaged with her so that he can help her. <clears throat> so I think that's really cool. I, I, I think without this type of thing where he's trying to help people, he'd just be a shitty character because he'd be a shitty person, Right. I mean, if he was just didn't care about anyone, no one liked him. He was just super depressed all the time. Um, and he was mean to people when he was hacking into people and stealing their stuff. Like, I'm not sure I could like him. But he is at least, you know, trying to help people. So I, I think that's endearing. Um, there is also the issue of, and I imagine something else happened in episode four, which I haven't seen yet. But they're developing this whole thing with his father, uh, which also probably messed him up pretty bad. 
But his father committed suicide. Evidently, it was due to like big evil corp, you know, machinations or whatever. But um, he's also got that angst where he wants to push back against the society, um, which is cool. Um, well, maybe not cool, but it's another angle of making you like him more, even though he's doing some pretty shady stuff. So next I want to talk about <clears throat> the tech. So before I go into various problems with the tech, I, I think it really must be said that it's the best InfoSec writing that we've ever seen. So InfoSec people are looking at this halfway. They want to love it just because we're dumb geeks. And then halfway, we want to criticize the shit out of it and be like, oh, that's dumb. That's lame. I noticed this problem or whatever. So it's kind of <clears throat> back and forth, depending on who you are and how much you have that mix. But I think we really must say that the writing is phenomenal. It's the best writing of any television, which I'm not even sure we're calling this television anymore since it's on YouTube and whatever, BitTorrent or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a USA show, so it's it's television. It's the best television hacking writing, definitely. And it's better than any movie um, infosec writing as well. So I, I think we must uh, give it that credit at least. That being said, there are some issues. And when I do see them, they super piss me off because my expectations are so high from the bar that they've set, right? So... One of the first episodes, I noticed an IP address that was like 300 and something, like 347 or something like that. And I'm like, well, only goes up to 255, but, you know, maybe that's IPv14 or something. But that was kind of annoying. That was just bad, you know, editing or auditing of each particular scene. But um, <clears throat> even worse were more fundamental problems like in episode two they had the destruction scene where like you go and you drill the hard drives um you he he had destroyed a bunch of electronics with the microwave started a fire like but the drilling of the hard drives i don't know if he used any emp stuff but he did a whole bunch of stuff that was like preparing for the apartment to be raided right and that was pretty cool it seemed very authentic. I'm sure it would, especially to people who were younger in the industry. Um, it probably looked extremely authentic. And, and it did have some authenticity to it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool that they would go to that extreme of being real about it. But then I realized, wait a minute, hold on. Why is he doing this? What? I, I didn't like the jump that they made. So basically he was looking at someone's Facebook, I think. I, I don't remember what the hack was, but, and by the way, I use hack pretty liberally here. He's always just guessing passwords. So, I mean, that that is cool. It is hacking, but um, it's kind of the same hack over and over, right? Someone has the password of ABC123 and he hacks in and he's looking at their Facebook. So. There's that. But anyway, he did it for this other person. I don't remember who it was, but he gets into their account and he's like, wait a minute, that was too easy. They must have known I was going to do this. That means they're on to me. Then he goes into the destruction scene and I'm like, hold on. Are you doing this from your apartment? Are you doing this from your own IP address? 
why else would you go and start destroying everything in your apartment if they wouldn't be able to come and find you? Like you're supposed to be going through India and then China because they don't have, you know, uh, a relationship to transfer jurisdiction for the investigation. Like you're supposed to be hopping all over the place, add in tour or a similar network. Like you're supposed to be anonymized and sanitized and, and not be yourself. I mean, this is just, you know, one-on-one stuff that I think anyone would assume that he was doing. So here's how I think that went down. This is why I bothered. It's not like the writer who has been writing all this other stuff would miss that. Here's how I think it went down. He goes over to the, to the, um, the people who have, you know, all the control of the show and says, Hey, you know, actually, I know you want to do this, this destruction scene, but we actually can't do it this way because he actually would never be hacking from his own IP address. So we, we need to work this some other way because this is not realistic. And they're like, well, here's the thing. We, we need to do this destruction scene and we can't do it any other way. So we have to do it right here. Right. And the guy was probably like, man, this is lame. I, I thought you hired me so that I could tell you when something was realistic or not. And they're like, yeah, on this one, we just really have to override you because we have to do the destruction scene. People will love it. They'll think it's super realistic. And most people won't even notice that this wouldn't happen unless he was hacking from his own IP address. And the guy probably got pissed and was like, yeah, whatever. You're not listening to me. And obviously, I don't know that that happened, but could be. Um, but to me, it's an example of where they take where, where the television short format forces them to do things that are unrealistic. Um, but that being said, I mean, the alternative is they don't show the destruction scene. So I, I guess we give them some leeway, right? Some sort of freedom to be slightly wrong. Uh, the other example of that was the Android uh, hacking thing. Like really well done. Like uh, the guy got access to the phone, um, entered in through the back, installed the the other ROM, and uh, very realistic way to attack someone's phone. Problem was it took like one minute or 30 seconds or whatever it was. <clears throat> in reality, that would have been like, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes um, and not 30 seconds, but again, You've, you've got to give some leeway there. So a couple of issues, a few issues, I, I would say one or two or five minor issues come up and maybe one major issue for me every episode. But given how well the rest of the, the writing is done or, you know, you kind of have to give it a pass. All right. So the comments on the modern society. Um, find this really interesting. I think it's a big part of the hacker culture, which is what the guy's trying to uh, capture here, um, is the whole underground, the whole counterculture, right? So it's like fighting against the man. Everything is a conspiracy with the rich exploiting the poor, the strong exploiting the weak. You've got the big mega corporations and their controlling everything and they've uh, 
you know, they've turned us into corporate slaves at, at, at our jobs. And that's kind of the big evil in the sky. And the hackers are underground. You know, Matrix captured this really well with, uh, with Neo and him being part of that group that was fighting against this thing he didn't understand. So I think that's a big part of the mystique of the hacker culture. And I think they capture it well, especially with the thing actually being called Evil Corp. I mean, they're not being subtle about this idea in the show. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool how that is mixed in with this. So you've got his like tortured artist, you know, sort of concept combined with evil megacorp concept. Um, combined with him trying to help people. And I think it's a really good mix when you add in, you know, the really good tech writing. And that's kind of the formula that makes the show strong. Then you've got the marketing, which is, um, the marketing for the show is amazing. Like in the very beginning, the first episode, the hype was building. I tweeted about it a couple of times. Uh, but the website actually had, uh, like it, it was a command prompt. You would go to the website and it would a- ask you to, you know, enter commands on the thing. And I'm like, man, this is ingenious. Like this is really building the hype well. Um, but yeah, those are sort of my main thoughts on it. Um, got a really great mic and realized I hadn't taken my Invisalign out before starting. So if you hear a lot of lisping, that's due to the Invisalign. Um, really glad I got an amazing mic to pick all of it up. But uh, it is called the Take One Security Podcast. So we're going to leave the list being in. And um, that's it for this episode. So this really catches us up on the Mr. Robot in general, all the way up through season or episode three. And um, the next episode will actually just be a regular episode of the Take One Security Podcast. It'll just be news and ideas and links and stuff like that. And then I'll probably have a review of episode four after that. But uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you soon.